Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste. And tonight on page 112, uh, we're going to begin, let's start, uh, review the 15th verse of the Guru Gita before we start the new material tonight, because we're spending a lot of time talking about the water that comes from the feet of the Guru. And it's just traditional that we demonstrate the sense of privilege of having the guru enter into our perimeter, enter into our paradigm, enter into our lives, enter into our homes, enter into our temples, that the first thing we want to do is wash our feet. I drink a lot. Oh yeah, I'm sure. You were a big drinker, Mom. Drink a lot. Yes. And the reason we wash the feet, of course, in the olden days, you walked on dirty and dusty paths in order to get there, and it's hot, and it's dusty, and it's blowing, and the wind is there, and it, you're, it's just so refreshing to sit down and have some nice, lukewarm water poured over your feet and wash the dust away. And it's just such a tradition that I put the highest part of me at the lowest part of thee. And then I hope that the law of gravity is going to cause the blessings to flow down. So I want to bow down to the feet, I want to wash the feet, I want to give as much honor to the feet as I can because the feet are symbolic. If I have a, a place at her feet, then it, it is a symbol of my surrender and my humility and my desire to learn and the greatness of you and the smallness of me and I do want to make myself as small as possible because that's the only attitude with which I can learn. I am proclaiming the greatness of the knowledge of the guru and I am proclaiming the smallness of this little would-be disciple and I want to tell you the story about the disciple who went to see the guru and the guru said, let's have a cup of tea. And the guru gave the cup to the disciple and started pouring and pouring and pouring. And the tea filled up the cup and it went over the edges of the cup and it filled up the saucer and went over the edge of the saucer and it started spilling onto the table and the disciple couldn't stand it any longer and said, stop pouring. <laughs> My cup is full. And the guru said, just like this cup, you are so full of it. You are full of opinions. You are full of your own understanding. You're full of your past, past experience. You brought all this baggage here to me. And no more can go in until you empty your cup. So he said to the disciple, empty yourself and make yourself in an environment conducive to learning, in an attitude conducive to demonstrating the sincerity of your respect. Make yourself a good student. Put yourself in the bhavana of a good student. And a good student says, hey, you know, Guruji, if I could sit at your feet, I can listen to you, I can watch you, I can see what you do, I can absorb the fullness of your example, and then I can 
practice on my own time. So we spend a lot of time saying, well, let's go to the guru's feet. You don't want to go any higher. Please, if you go up to the knee, she could kick you. If you go any higher, you get in trouble. The most, the most safest place. Remember, there are five bhavanas with which we can come to God. We can become, we can become a lover like Radha and Krishna. We can become a mother like Koshalya to Ram. We could become a devotee like Hanuman was to Ram. We could become a yogi. Aham Brahmashvi, Shivoham. Or we could become a Santan. We could become a child of God. I am a child of God. That was Jesus' proclamation. Ramakrishna said, the safest is to become a child of God. Because when you're down, you never fall up. You can only rise. When you're up, you can certainly fall down. So don't risk it. Spend as much time with the feet of the guru as you possibly can. Wash those feet, take the water, put it on your head. You just took a bath in the Ganges. You just visited all the pilgrimage places of the Bharat. Bharatvars, the land where the light of wisdom always shines. Don't worry about the geographical locations. You're not going to find anything there but, uh, but headaches and troubles and difficulties of traveling and organizing and, and standing in lines and trying to do something holy when you know the holiest thing you could do is sit in your own shrine, sit at your own altar and look at the feet of the guru and imagine yourself Om Guru Vyondama, Om Param Guru Vyondama, Om Parapara Guru Vyondama, Om Paramyashti Guru Vyondama and all the lineage, all the gurus of our our lineage are sitting with us right there where we're proposing to make that puja. So verse number 15 says, drink the water from the Guru's feet. It's Charanamrit. It's even better than Pancha Amrit. It's the Charanamrit, the, the Amrit, the nectar which comes from the feet. Remember the Pancha Amritan is a Payo Dadi Gritan Cheva. Madhu cha shakarayutam Pancha amritam ayadatam Grihanitwam zureshwari Pile is milk. And milk stands for the Kshirasamudra, the, the, the ocean of purity, the ocean of pure consciousness. Dadi is doi, a yogurt. And the yogurt stands for the congealed form of consciousness. So if the, the milk is infinite consciousness, the parabrahma, the, the soul of God, then the yogurt, which is, has a form, is the individual soul. Both are forms of purity. Both are clear and white. So, great means illumination. It also means ghee. So we're putting the ghee as the source of illumination of the individual soul in union and harmony, in, in embrace with the universal soul. 
Madhu is the nourishment. And shakar, that's the, the uh, honey. And shakar, the, the, the sugar is the sweet. And now the sweetness and nourishment of uh, the illumination of the universal soul by the individual soul is the panch amrita snanam. And now we have the charan amrit, the nectar of immortal bliss which comes from the feet. Drink the water from the guru's feet. Drink the water from the Guru's feet without hesitation. It's the greatest nourishment that you could possibly receive. Eat of her prasad. That's the consecration of her offering. If she takes a bite, wait your turn and then get the rest. Whatever's left over, just take the prasad. Whatever she offers to you, sometimes she gives you wisdom and sometimes she gives you nourishment. Sometimes she gives you nourishment for the body. Sometimes nourishment for the mind. Sometimes she gives you inspiration. Always she gives you an example. That's why she's the guru. Take her prasad. The remnants of her food. Always meditate upon the guru and always, always recite the mantra of the guru. Now, the mantra of the guru is different in every situation. In our family, the mantra of the guru is the Navarna mantra. We live with Chandi. It's also Om Namah Shivaya Panchakshar. Namah Shivaya. The five-lettered mantra or the nine-lettered mantra. These are the mantras of the Guru in the Devi Mandir. We are Shiva Shakti Upashaks and we always sneeze when we hear those mantras. One more time. Thank you. God bless you. Now, every time you hear the mantra, you lose your mind. Mantrayate, it's the mantra that takes away your mind. So, always meditate upon the guru and always recite the mantra of the guru. Whatever mantra the guru gives to us in whatever circumstance she gives it to us, that's the mantra that we will use. Who performs so? Who does this? Resides at the holy place of Kashi. Wherever you live, you're in Banaras. The water from the Guru's feet is a holy river. You take a bath every day in the Ganges. Gange cha jamane cheva, Godavari Saraswati, Narmade Sindhu Kaveri, Jalismin. We give you the bath with the rivers of seven holy waters. The, the, the Ira and the Pingala and the five senses are the avenues of ingress and egress into the city of God. These are the waterways by which we come and go into the city of divinity. Uh, who, whoever, whoever lives on the bank of Ganges, Whoever takes the water from the Guru's feet, whoever lives in Kashi, the city of light, the water from the Guru's feet is the river, the holy river. The Guru is actually the supreme lord of the universe who illuminates supreme divinity without a doubt. Nashamishaya. Guru Vishweshwara Saksha. Actually, the embodiment, 
the, the, the guru is the embodiment of Vishweshwar, the Lord of the universe. The consciousness of the entire universe made manifest in the form of the illuminator of light in my darkness. Without a doubt. The water from the Guru's feet is holy water. The Guru is Gaya, a sacred place of pilgrimage. The Guru is a banyan tree. Look at her roots. The Guru is the king of pilgrimage places where the three rivers unite. That's Prayag, uh, Alalabad, where the Ganga, Jamuna, and Saraswati uh, uh, unite. So, Gaya, Ganga, uh, um, Gaya, uh, Gaya, Ganga, Kashi, Pravase, Pushkarani, Cha, Yetirtani, Pracharanti, Tarpan, Kali, Pavanti, Cha. All the places of pilgrimage, uh, all of the places where you would want to go to offer the purity of your own soul. Uh, the Guru is located there. She's a banyan tree. She is the king of pilgrimage places. To that divine image known as Guru, I bow, I bow, Namo Namaha. Again and again I bow to... Oh, the Guru is present in all the pilgrimage places. The Guru is present in Kashi. Wherever the Guru's feet are present, there is the place of pilgrimage. I bow. Eternally remembering the image of the Guru. Always re making recitation of the name of the Guru. Guru. The name of the Guru. Guru. The illuminator of the light in my darkness. Shri Ma. The mother of perfect respect. The mother of the peace in the mind and peace in the heart. And she is the, the mother who illuminates Shanti. She is the light in the darkness, eternally remembering the image of the Guru, always making recitation of the name of the Guru, always observing the instruction of the Guru, always maintain the attitude of none other than the Guru. If we do, we're disciples. And if we don't, we're not. The supreme divinity resides in the mouth of the guru, which is obtained as prashad every time she speaks. That's a consecrated offering to us disciples. Always perform meditation upon the guru, just as a loving woman dreams of her family. You know, most loving women, when they become in a family way, they just start thinking, how can I nourish my family? What will my family eat? What will my family... How can I care for my family in such a way? Uh, we have a proverb in Bengali, when the baby cries, father's reading the newspaper, but mother will drop everything to pay attention to the child who needs a care. Always perform meditation upon the guru, just as a loving woman dreams of her family. With that kind of nishta, with that kind of loyalty, with that sense of duty, of obligation, of bound, I'm privileged to feel this, this 
binding attachment to my family. I gave birth to them, I nourished them, I, I, my duty, my goal, my privilege, my life is wrapped around my family. Abandon or renounce all thoughts of your status in life. The nobility of your birth, your own fame and increase in this world. If you think you're a somebody, you're not a disciple. If you have any thoughts about your, your status in life, your increase in life, what you're going to get, what business you're going to do, what, what you're doing, what, what's your business plan, what's your fame, how I'm going to use this, how I'm going to grow to be a somebody, I got to be me. Renounce it all. Deeply intuit the attitude of the guru and no other. You will get more than you bargained for. So long as you think, oh, guy, I was born in a very good family with lots of wealth. I don't even have to look at my accounts. The, the accountant does that. I don't have to look at my status and fame. I, I am, it's increasing broadly. I, I have this status in life. And so long as we are separate and we're thinking about us and ours and me and mine, it's impossible to surrender to the guru. Surrender to the guru means samya abhashta in the attitude, in the abhashta, in the circumstance of equilibrium and peace. And so long as I am thinking about me and mine, I am not surrendered in the attitude or the circumstance of peace. Deeply into it, bhavayit, bhavayit, the intensity of reality would be deeply intuited to be in the presence of the guru the illuminator of light, which makes all of these other things very insignificant. Uh, remember the, the very rich man's son went to see Jesus and he said, Master, how will I be made perfect? How can I become one with you? And Jesus said, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come along with me. And the guy said, oh, I'm, a very, I'm the son of a very rich man. I can't do that. <laughs> Go around, go ahead and leave your live, leave, live your life. <laughs> Deeply into it, the attitude of the guru and no other. Not contemplating anything other than me makes the attainment of the highest status easy. You're thinking any other thought, it's not easy. Oh, it's tough. This is a hard job. <laughs> not contemplating anything other than me. It's easy. Therefore, all effort should be made to please the good. With your body, with your mind, with your soul, you want to put yourself in a position where you add value to the life of the guru. Gods and others in the three worlds 
Ashuras and celestial beings unanimously proclaim that the knowledge which resides in the Guru's mouth is obtained through devotion to the Guru. If you don't have devotion, she can open up her mouth and we'll miss it. It'll all go beyond us. It'll all sound like a lot of words and a lot of noise. And here's that, here's that old Swami pontificating on top of a mountaintop in front of a half a dozen people. What difference does that make in my life? If you have devotion, one word from the guru, and it opens up our whole lives. It just changes everything. We have a new inspiration and a new energy. And we become empowered to focus our attention uh, and to create new priorities for ourselves and new objectives and new paths by which to obtain those objectives by paying attention with devotion. And you cannot pay attention if you don't have devotion. And if you don't have devotion, you will not pay attention. You'll close your eyes and try to tune it out. Therefore, all effort should be maintained to please the guru. You want to please her in any way we can. Through seva, through thinking right thoughts, through performing right actions, through striving for the best, through defining achievable goals and reporting to her our progress along the way. In many ways we want to become the source of pleasure to the guru. Oh, all the gods, the asuras, the gandharvas, the apsaras, all unanimously proclaim that the knowledge which resides in the guru's mouth is obtained only through devotion. If we have devotion, we get all, we get to, to grok the example before us. We get to live the example before. We get to feel the edificacy of the example before us and thereby we become the example. The syllable gu means darkness. Actually, in Bengali, it's the stuff that you want to watch out for along the path. <laughs> if you put a, a long oo on it, it means boo. <laughs> and the syllable ru means light. So the rus are the lights that shine in the goo, which rhymes with poo. And there's a lot of poo that needs to be illuminated. <laughs> Otherwise. This is a G U. Yes. And G-H-U. G. So, the supreme divinity which destroys ignorance is verily the guru without a doubt. The first letter is gu in which resides maya and other qualities. 
The second letter is Ru, in which the supreme divinity destroys the confusions of Maya. So Gu is the Maya, and all the ignorance. And Ru is the wisdom which illuminates all the, 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 the knowledge which destroys the confusions of Maya. And the feet of the Guru are the ultimate, even difficult for gods to attain. It's hard to sit by those feet. In fact, our karma keeps pulling us away and saying, oh, I better move my asan. I better go out of here. I better go out and stretch. I think I'll go to Zanzibar. I'll go to Kailash. I'll go to some sightseeing location. Because even the gods have trouble to sit at the feet of the guru. It means you have to be still inside and out. Even ha-ha and hoo-hoo. Uh, those are two very famous uh, Gandharvas, very famous uh, celestial musicians. Uh, ha-ha and hoo-hoo. And there's another one, hee-hee. <laughs> and uh, they're all there in, in the Gandharva lok making music uh, for the guru. <laughs> And they're singing and dancing and, and playing music. And the multitudes of other divine beings desire to worship. But everybody who's anyone who's in heaven and earth, they all want. They all want to worship the guru. They all want to sit by the feet of the guru. But not everyone is capable of sitting still. It's a great attainment, even difficult for the gods. They who can worship are firmly fixed in the highest principle of the guru, who is the supreme lord of all. A seat, a bed, cloth, ornaments, a conveyance, new car, other things, the sadhak or spiritual aspirant should offer these to become a cause of satisfaction to the guru. Make offerings of the necessity of life to produce the effect of delight in the life of the guru. Now why would we want to offer to her all the stuff that we want ourselves? Well, the first thing is, uh, it demonstrates to all of us, including ourselves, our sense, our intensity of renunciation. The reality is, when we get all those things that we want, a seat, a new asan, a bed, uh, a, a roof under which to put the bed, new cloth, new ornaments, a new car, and all the other things, when we give them up, to the guru, we, we surrender our attachments to the fruits of all of our karma. I didn't just go out and get this stuff for me. I got it to become a source of pleasure and satisfaction to her. But more important than the satisfaction that I can derive from giving to her, 
is the sense of privilege that I get to watch her. What happens? What does she do when she has all the stuff of life that I want, that I think I need, what does she do with it? What does she do when she doesn't have to provide for all the stuff of this physical existence? Well, I'll tell you what I saw. From the first day I met her, I saw she got up in the morning and she went to the temple. And there she meditated, and then she performed puja, and then she started cooking prasad, and then she started feeding other people, and then she went back to the temple. What would she do if she was freed from all of these material concerns? She would devote her life in worship. And what a privilege to a devotee to be able to see someone who got up in the morning and went to the temple and went and did her job and did her tap and did her puja and did and then she started cooking prasad and then she fed the devotees and then she went back to the temple. And that's what she did with her life. And the more of the physical responsibilities that we devotees took over, the greater empowerment she had to spend her life in worship. And that was the most fascinating example that I could see. What does somebody do when they earn out, when they retire? They go to the 19th hole and they make a martini and they sit and sit mint juleps at the edge of the golf course. Look around at the retirement plans of all of the working Americans and what are they looking forward to doing when they stop working? Think, how many of them are looking forward to doing more puja and getting up in the morning and going to the temple and doing the job and doing the top and doing her meditation and then doing her puja and then coming and cooking for devotees? She has been doing this all her life. And that's why she became my guru. Because I saw this example of someone who was living this way of life. From the day I saw her, uh, 40 years later, I'm watching her do the same thing. And that's how she became an example to me. Because she's an illumination in the darkness and the more I take over the, her physical necessities and provide her a seat, well, she's got a nice seat, and she's got a bed, and she's got a cloth, and she's got some ornaments. Yeah, well, they're who drops it, but still they're ornaments. And she's got a car and a driver, and she's got other things. We should become the cause of satisfaction to her. She doesn't have to go out and provide those things. We'll take care of that stuff. Let us watch what she does when she doesn't have to do it. And what does she do? She does her jump, she does her tup, she does her puja, she does her meditation, and then she feeds everyone. Make offerings of the necessities of life to produce the effect of delight in the life of the guru. With your actions, your thoughts, and words eternally please the guru. Offer respect to the guru without shame, without modesty, without hesitation. 
Offer your body, your senses, life itself to the true teachers. If she's a true teacher, what does she want from your body? She wants you to, to help out, to take care of yourself, to, be, to empower you to become the best you you can possibly become. Offer your actions, your thoughts, and your words eternally without shame or modesty or hesitation. Offer your body, your senses, life itself. Give all of your ego, all of your attachments to the true good teacher. With your bursting soul, open your heart and offer everything to the true teachers. With a bursting soul. You can't contain it anymore. She has empowered us to give it all, everything, including all and everything, excluding nothing. Oh, giver of boons, do not be attached to this body in which reside worms and foul-smelling fecus and urine and phlegm and blood and meat covered by skin. Blech which will ultimately become scattered ashes. Why are we so bound in attachment and love and I'm going to adorn my body so that I look like something more than this individual form? I will be respected because of my ornaments or the kind of cloth that I wear. I will res be respected. Certainly, I want to be clean. Certainly, I want to be groomed. Certainly, I want to not smell bad. But otherwise, what's my goal? Do I want to attract people to my body? Shall I paint my eyes and put, put my rouge on and put some lipstick on and make myself look adorned and proper and beautiful? Do you think I could get a date to the dance? Or do I want to show you my soul? And if you fall in love with the beauty of my soul, you will be attracted to me eternally. Dhritarashtra was blind. Bhishma went to Gandhar Desh to the king of Gandhar and he said, I want your daughter Gandhari to be the wife of Dhritarashtra. And the king said, well, wait a minute, the king Dhritarashtra is blind. Why would I give my beautiful daughter to that blind king? Gandhari came out from the inner apartments and she said, I couldn't think of a greater quality in my husband than to be blind because when my body gets old and starts decomposing, he won't notice. He will only love me for my soul. What a privilege it would be to have a husband who only loves my soul and doesn't care anything for my body. And with that, Gandhari took out a blindfold and she said, if my husband is blind, there's nothing I need to see. Nothing more I need to see in this creation. I will live in the same bhava, in the same attitude, in the same circumstances, my husband. And so she bound her eyes shut. 
and took the vow of tapasya to live only with the soul and not with the eyes that look outside but only with the eyes that look within. Let's pause here and see if there are any questions. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste. Yes, please. Yes, John. You say that we should take on the attitude of the guru, but watching the guru, there's much difference between the attitude of the guru and me as the difference between a human being and a chimpanzee. How, how, how do we understand it? What, how do we behave in a way that we don't understand? I mean, there's a difference in consciousness level. Yes, there is a great difference in consciousness. Now, the first thing that we want to do is make a plan. Just like every other business opportunity, we want to define our goal, define our path. I want to move from chimpanzee to human being. Now, I have a goal. Let me think of the path. What can I do in order to perform or to move along that path? Well, the first thing I can do is stand up straight. Because chimpanzees have a tendency, they're real swingers. You know? So I'm going to walk erect. I've become a homo erectus. Then, after I become uh, straight, I want to start imitating the best qualities of a human being. If I'm a chimpanzee, I want to take the best qualities of a human being and employ them, inculcate them into my life, into my thought process, into my being. As a devotee, I want to look at the attitude of the guru. What is she doing? What is she telling me? What is her instruction? What is her example? She tells me that cleanliness and organization is next to godliness. You won't get anything as long as you're a slob. You won't get anything done as long as you're not organized, as long as things are here and there and helter-skelter. You will want to organize your life and your home and your office and your work in such a way that you can find everything from one asan, just like you do your puja. So let's go home and clean up the house, Mr. Chimpanzee. And Miss Chimpanzee. And then, now once I get organized and I get ordered and everything is clean and in organization, what more can I do that she does? Well, she eats a very sattvic diet. Maybe I could cook sattvic food. Look at our website, you'll find recipes of sattvic food that she has written down and she has dictated and our, and our family has put together with instructions. How do you cook a sattvic diet? How do you use mantras to purify your food? How do you present your food and offer your food to God so that everyone is eating prasad? Look at all the things that you do in life and look at the way she lives her life. And little by little, every week, take one principle and employ it in your life. She never opens a, a door without a mantra. She never passes through, uh, a, a, turns a key without a mantra. She never lights the fire in the, her stove without a mantra. She never 
She never puts a step without a mantra. Take one thing each week. In one week, you'll have 52 things that you can do to come closer to reflecting the attitude of the guru. See where you can add value to her life, as much value as you add to her life, so much closer you become to her. In fact, one day she'll even rely upon you. She'll even depend upon you. She'll even presume that you'll be there to, be, to do exactly as you say you will do. You'll come closer. And that's how you will begin to inculcate the bhavana, the attitude of the guru, just like a chimpanzee will inculcate the attitude of a human being. In the same way, we chimps will try to become closer and closer to the guru. Take it one step at a time. You will be successful. Eva must have. Yes, please. Question from Sadhana Shakti in Seattle. Namaste, Sadhana. Namaste, Vivek. Pranam on Swami. How does one empty their cup if it is already full? Is it by watching you and Ma doing what you do? That's one part. There are other parts that you will take into your own bhavana, your own attitude, your own lifestyle, and just be that empty vessel. Don't presume to have all the answers. Presume to have the best questions. Don't worry about, I've got to give an answer to everything. Just, you want to become the, the, the questioner. You want to have, uh, become a source of solace and empower others and encourage others to ask questions. Not because you have all the answers, but because you are a fellow seeker. You too are asking those questions. Those are real questions. So in this way, Sadhana, we can empty our cups from the presumption that we know it all. That we have the, all the answers. That we really have measured infinity. We haven't. Honestly, the only one who has measured infinity is Shiva. And then the Guru. And then the Guru's disciples are all trying to stretch and stretch and stretch until we come to an understanding of the definition of infinite. Yes, please. In the verse 29, it says, uh, or actually 28, it says, Offer respect to the Guru without shame, modesty, or hesitation. Um, oftentimes when we make our offerings, we... Uh, we want to make sure that we don't become a burden upon anybody else. We don't want to give too much. Is, is, that, uh, is that some sort of um, discrimination that we have to take in terms of, I mean, because we don't want to give everything to you because then we become beholden to the circumstances around us. No? No. No. If your guru is a true guru and you give everything you will get beyond measure, you won't become depleted. You will become empowered. If you give everything, doesn't mean that you're going to write me a blank check on your bank account. 
that's not giving everything. That's giving your entire responsibility to me. It's saying, I want to be free and you be bound. But if you give everything, then you become empowered. You give up all your attachment. You give all your love. You make yourself into an empty vessel. You make yourself into a pure lover. And that's what it means to give everything without shame, modesty, or hesitation. With everything. I'm giving you my total efficiency. I'm giving you my total attention. I'm listening to what you have to say. I'm following your instruction. I'm, I love you. And I demonstrate that love by the generosity of my heart. The generosity of my soul can't be held within. I, I have to become empowered in order to give everything. Otherwise, I give at the office, here's a little something. That's not it. We don't want a little something. A guru wants everything without shame, modesty, or hesitation. Not just a little bit. Here's a tenth of the proceeds. How many people come to the temple and say, if I win the lottery, I'll give 10% to the temple? What do I want with your 10%? Ah, you give me 90% and take 10% for yourself. Then we'll talk about it. If you give your all, you will get it all. And if you don't, you're going to always have a little bit in reserve when you come to the precipice where it says, did you give all? You're going to have to go say, no, I have to go back and get rid of some more. Because you cannot enter into samadhi as long as you're carrying your ego and attachments. You will have to give it all. You'll have to leave it all behind. Better you leave it with someone you trust. There are three statuses of any wealth, any possession. Enjoyment, gift, or destruction. You either enjoy it, you use it all up, and it's gone. Or you give it away. And say, here guys, take it. You enjoy it. Or it will be destroyed. Someone else will take it. The tax man will come. Somebody's going to come. The thief will come. Somebody's going to come and say, oh, the, all this unattended wealth. I'm taking it for myself. And then they have the three dispositions of wealth. Enjoyment. Gift or destruction. You either enjoy it, here we have this great big chocolate cake, I'm either going to eat it all myself, <laughs> can't, I'm on a diet, so then I have to give it away, or it's just going to spoil and I'm going to end up throwing it out. Enjoyment, gift, or destruction are the three statuses of any wealth. Once we understand that, we can give all to the Guru because she's pure, she's true, she's, she's real. 
She's not going to take your stuff away from you. She's going to empower you by taking the ego and att attachment away from you. She doesn't just want your stuff. Although some lesser beings might. We have to use our discrimination in what capacity, in what context, in what way will we give it all to the true guru. But a true guru doesn't want your stuff. She's got enough of her own. She wants to empower us in order to move beyond egotism and attachment. And that's what it means. Offer respect or give everything. Give your, with your bursting soul, open your heart. My soul doth magnify the Lord. With your bursting soul, open your heart, offer everything to the true teachers. Yes, please. The bursting soul, what, what Sanskrit is that? Uh, uh, Atma Aradikam. Aradikam, your Atma is Aradna. Your soul is bursting with celebration and with the, with the, the, the pleasure, the aradna. The, it's just, the, it, it's, shirinamitriyam pranam, your body, your indriyas, your senses, your pran, sadguryo nivedayet, Give that all to the true gurus. Atma aradhitakang sarvam. With the fullness, the sarva, all the aradhana, the, uh, the pleasure, the joy, the celebration, the, the offering of your soul. Sadguru vyo nivedayit. You nek nivedyam. Make offering uh, to the true teacher, the true illumination in your darkness. Your bursting soul, Atma Aradikam. Yes, please. Um, why is the truth sometimes hard to see? And what can, what can we do to try and make ourselves as open as possible to receiving the illumination? First step is make a plan. <laughs> Why am I here? What do I want from this situation? What's my goal? What's my luxe? What's my path? What's my objective? How do I define my objective? And now, can I listen to every word which is being spoken in the filter of my goal? In the purview of my objective, with the, the, the definition of my goal, can I see the highest in everything that's being given to me? Can I look for the best? I don't want to be as skeptical as I possibly can and say, oh, guy, how, am I, how can I doubt that? There must be some subterfuge there. I'm sure he's pulling my leg. He must be hiding something under his seat. Look at, he's got that paper there. <laughs> he must have an ulterior motive. That's why he's telling me, give me, give everything. He, 
there's got to be some subterfuge there. Put all of those thoughts aside, not contemplating anything other than me. The guru, not thinking any other thought than me, the guru. Then you look for the illumination in your darkness and define every term and interpret every action in the highest light where you can get the most, the greatest benefit. Now that, that one principle will change your experience of what it means to be in the presence of the guru. If I think, gosh, I am here with the guru, and she's the illuminator of light in my darkness, and she gives me wisdom, she empowers me, and she is here to empower me, then I want to think everything she does is right. How can I use that knowledge in my own life? How can I apply that knowledge to my circumstances? How can I understand that, Baba? Let's me try. What is she trying to tell me? Give everything to me. With your soul bursting, open your heart. What is she trying to say to me? Is she saying, write me a check for the balance of account? It's not all material. She's saying you cannot go into samadhi and so long as you have attachments to this physical world. As long as you're counting. Remember the story of the guy who wanted to be rescued from the flood and he had all these cabbages and he couldn't leave the cabbages behind. So he was carrying the cabbages even as the waters of the flood engulfed his entire village. He didn't want to leave his cabbage until he sank, holding on to the cabbage. The other day there was an airliner that crashed in San Francisco on the runway and they opened up the, 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 uh, the slides for the emergency exits and everybody grabbed the duty-free liquor that was in the, in the racks of the airline and they all ran, slid down the slide holding the duty-free liquor that they had purchased in China and in Seoul before they exited the plane. And the stewardess would say, leave all your personal belongings behind and quickly exit. And everybody ran to the, to the lockers above and they started getting down their duty-free bags and their carry-on luggage, and they slid down the slides with gray with, with all this baggage, most of it nonsense that they could replace in a minute. And no one wanted to be caught leaving the liquor behind. They saved five dollars because they didn't pay the tax. And here they are, running from a burning plane, escaping for their lives, no, she's saying, leave all your attachments behind. Leave all of your ego behind. You will not enter into samadhi so long as you maintain the attitude of ego and possession. She's not saying, give me, write me a check, give me your house, give me your car. She says, 
Leave your ego behind and become a servant of God. Follow my example. Get up in the morning and sing the praise of God. Get up in the morning and meditate. Get up in the morning and do your job and thup and then do your puja and then you can cook for devotees and cook for other people. With your soul bursting with an open heart, Offer everything to the true good. Yes, please. Question from Chandana in Portland. Namaste, Chandana. How does one recognize whether their cup is full or empty? Thank you. Chandana, if you are listening to what is being said instead of thinking about what you're going to say next, then you know that your cup is empty. But if you're hearing all the sounds coming through the speakers of your computer and you're thinking, well, what should I ask next? I'll get in the queue and I'll write down the next question. Then you're not hearing what is being said. You're thinking about what you're going to say in reply. And this is true in every relationship that we have. If we're listening then there's an immediate effect. If it's true, there's going to be a change in my behavior. If it's not true, thank you very much for this information. It doesn't apply to our circumstances. There's a moment of discrimination that I notice that it's going to be an immediate effect upon, my, uh, upon our relationship, upon my behavior. My relationship, my behavior will not be the same because of the knowledge which you have communicated to me, if it's true. And how many times you enter into a conversation where someone is speaking and you're thinking about what you're going to say in reply. How are you going to refute that answer? Uh, what is your rebuttal to be? You're not thinking about what's being said. You're not really listening or grokking the import of the message. All of us are trained. I want to be right. I want to win the debate. I want to win the argument. I will... Me! 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 So the way we empty the cup is to say, Thee! 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 I want so much as I can. I recognize the greatness of the guru and the, the influence of the guru in my life and I know that there are so many other influences out there. I want to gravitate as close as I can to the most pure influence because she only wants to empower me. She is saying with your soul bursting, open your heart. Go the distance. She's not saying, all right, I want a little bit. Give me a check. Give me a gift at the office. She's saying with your soul bursting open your heart. With your bursting soul open your heart. She says, I don't want a little bit. I want it all. Now, when someone is so true, they are a pure illumination in the darkness. They are guru. They are sat 
Guru because they are illuminating the truth, the reality of our circumstances, and we come closer and closer and closer. We make our plan on how to design a lifetime focused on that goal, on that example, on inculcating that example, on becoming that bhavana, on feeling the reality and becoming empowered by that energy so that that becomes the true expression of our nature. Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha Namaste.